Joe. Jacques. What is worse than biting into an apple and finding a worm? What? AIDS. Think the old joke is what's worse than biting an apple and finding a worm is biting an apple finding half a worm. But see, I zigged when you hit AIDS. <laughs> and I'm not sure he's gonna say anything the rest of the day. I think he's calling it quits and nobody would play, but, but I'm just gonna sit here and laugh at my own joke for an hour and 18 minutes. I'm thinking. And welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And uh, big day. It to de- Joe, royal wedding. Bigger than AIDS? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I get home last night, and I, I luckily, and I thought I was going to hear a lot more royal wedding stuff for a while. I thought, it was, I thought it was like next year, and it would drag on. But I get home last night. And management is getting ready to go to bed at like 8 30, 9 o'clock. Mm. And I'm like, why? Because the royal wedding was on at 4 30 in the morning, you know, and wanted to be part of like, didn't want to miss a part of it, you know, didn't want to get up and have it ruined on Facebook or something. Right. I had to run and get some tissues for Jacques because he was crying so hard from the AIDS joke. <laughs> hey, did you ever hear about the AIDS joke? <laughs> if you didn't, rewind. <laughs> It's a doozy. <laughs> or a doncy, according to you and your reaction. <laughs> um, so, but literally, management got up early this morning and got all fixed up. Like, like fancy dress, white gloves, uh, what do you call it? Like, not a hat, but a, a fastener or something. And I did, what, did she have dark shades? White gloves? <laughs> Looking sharp. Looking she, for love. She she was she was not in a Robert Palmer video, but it was a <laughs> it was a ZZ Top reference, but uh, close enough. Oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, the women from the, the, the women from the hosting. Uh, and then honestly, I come downstairs like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I guess she has bought it a long time ago, but we have a fine china tea set that she decided to make tea and drink that while watching it. And it's like, I guess it's not that much different than me wearing a brewski jersey and, you know, yelling at a TV. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was her Halloween, if you will. Or, you know, her her solo Halloween. You both have your own solo <laughs> Halloweens. You have the group Halloweens, yep. you know, the, the, the cons and the actual date Halloween. But uh, I guess this is... Her, I mean, but this is also not like a Super Bowl event. It's not like an annual event. This is a once, twice, three times a lifetime event. Right. So, I mean, you know, so the whole fairy tale wedding, it's not a fairy tale wedding. It's an extravagant waste of money, pomp, and circumstances, but it made her happy. Hey, so. the roads in that castle town, wherever that is, completely paved. All the roads paved. So there's a plus. There, there, there really is. So so look look at me always looking at the half you know glass half empty. Um, but yeah, uh, it was so, so it's really funny. You know, she did. She said 
as I'm staggering to get up like a couple hours after, she's like, I have to stay on Facebook. So-and-so just posted this. And I'm like, wait, that's a married dude who's a friend of yours posting about the royal wedding? I'm doing the Norman Fell Tinkerbell motion with my hand. <laughs> you know, it's like the Mr. Roper. A lot of straight guys out there tweeting, Facebooking about the wedding at 8 o'clock in the morning. I think so. No, hey, the wedding is for everybody. She's our queen. Is she? Yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so at least uh, that's over with. Well, now. I was actually <clears throat> pleasantly surprised to wake up after the, the, after the I do's. But before the procession back to the castle, and I immediately, you know, when I wake up, uh, first I cry, and then I blow my nose, <laughs> and then I uh, cry again, and then I check Twitter, and on Twitter they had uh, an announcement that Cord and Tish from Funny or Die, a.k.a. Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon, as their commentator characters, were doing a live commentary from England um, with Tim Meadows. They, as they a flew over just for that. Yes, they, like they were literally in England. Tim Meadows was a field correspondent, just like they did for the Rose Bowl earlier this year. They did that for the Royal Wedding on HBO. So I have HBO. Luckily, I earn enough of money of an but, expendable But not income. ESPN. No, no, I don't care for the sport. <laughs> um, none of them. But I, that I was able to tolerate. Yeah, so that was, that was a good time. I think they rerun it, and I'm sure there's going to be clips of it online. So check it out. But yeah, it, 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 I thought I did. I thought it was going to be uh, more of a long, drawn out process in our house talking about it weeks leading up to it. But there it is. It's there. It's passed. And now we can move on to bigger things. Deadpool two. How was it? Haven't seen it yet. Good. Seeing it tonight. <laughs> I, I was excited when Joe needed to move up the recording time. I'm thinking, oh, great. Maybe he's going out to see that tonight. <laughs> Not. No, I know. I'm going. I do have a date night with my significant other. Uh, but it's not Deadpool. So, like I said to Jacques earlier, if it were a date night with Deadpool 2, it would be a date night with me and Jacques. Like, yeah, exactly. Can we at least review the marketing campaign for Deadpool? Is that something we can talk about? I've really only seen the trip. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen images of Deadpool online in different positions. Like, he was in a bathtub in one still photo. But... You probably know a lot more about the marketing than I do. Well, like <clears throat> like the one with David Beckham. Or, did you see that? I did see that because you mentioned that last week. And, and, and just just and this, I just love Ryan Reynolds. You know, the whole you know, you know what are you apologizing for? Uh, well, what do you think I was? You know, why were you mad at me? Oh, I have a list. Like what? Green Green Lantern. You know, <laughs> you know, R.I.P. Department. Like that whole thing. Uh, and then I sent you. I think I sent you the the link from Walmart. No, you didn't. Fox, 20th Century Fox went in and replaced like hundreds of videos. Like they had, they took 16 titles, but they took them all off the shelf at all the WalMarts and replaced the like famous, you know, Blu-rays, Blu-rays, but reshot like the covers with with Deadpool, like like from <laughs> Say Anything. You know, you don't go down the list and stuff like right. that. Of course, nothing past 1993. I hope, but it was uh, it was absolutely just. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that is just. And, and the sad thing is, well, the brilliant thing is my eight-year-old can't wait to see Deadpool, which he's not going to see. Like, there's some stuff like, we, yes, we let him go see um, Baby Driver, oh. uh, and that was more like language and, and cars blowing up. But there was – it wasn't Deadpool, <laughs> like impaling people. Uh, yeah, swearing, fucking, you know, all sorts of nonsense. I, I mean, so, you know, spoiler alert, uh, Deadpool, by his girlfriend, gets sodomized in the first one. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, it's one thing. And then there's uh, that little 
weird fapping fetish with the unicorn that you have to explain away to a young child? Uh, actually, you had to explain it to me. So I, I was, you know, I don't know how I was going to then, you know, explain that one. But uh, hopefully by next week, um, we'll be talking about now. But at, at the same time, like Infinity Wars is, is still. There's only one. It's not like Infinity the, War. It's not like the U.S. It's only one war. We're, it's only involved. The Avengers are only involved in one war. That we know of. Ah. Then there's well, <clears throat> anyway, so I haven't seen a journal. Okay, I you know, go off on a tangent about the Marvel Secret Wars and all these other right. th- things in the. Uh, but that's not in this universe, anyways. So Joe and I uh, did have a date night sort of this oh, week. Yeah. My son Connor, uh, who's graduating from high school this year, uh, he takes a music tech class and has taken it for I think all four years. They usually have like a, a fall performance, a spring f- performance, and uh, this week Jacques was gracious enough to uh, drive all the way down from Canada. Where, where do you live again? And um, with his boys and uh, sit in the audience with us to watch my son perform a live a piano rendition with a, another classmate on drums. They did like an original style parody of Owl City. Um, for those of you who don't know Owl City, great. No, <laughs> but it's that um, that he wrote. Uh, it's a, he's like a uh, like a solo artist kind of. Uh, he wrote a song called Fireflies. Uh, if you'd heard it, you you know you'd instantly kind of like, oh, that stupid song. It was kind of played out in the mid two thousands. I don't know. I guess it made sense to the target demographic that was listening. And he was probably the most comfortable performer, which I, which shocked me. I mean, it didn't really shock me in the sense that I, I didn't think he was a good performer. It just shocked me that the others were so not comfortable. <laughs> well, it's funny because Joe's son is, is much like Joe in many ways. And it's funny because I, I, uh, I was telling somebody recently, uh, when, Joe, when Joe was coming to L.A. and I had been out there for a, a couple years and I was coming back and Joe and I were doing a show here and, and still working and writing together, I was excited that Joe was coming out. And I was excited <clears throat> for a lot of reasons because, you know, I had access to, you know, better equipment, you know, to, to shoot some of our comedy crap and stuff like this. Actually had a, a station air it on. There, there was a lot of positive stuff going on. I was very looking forward to Joe coming out. And a lot of the people around me, I was like, you know, oh, Joe's really funny. You're going to love it. He's going to get out there. Joe gets out there, and Joe sometimes doesn't come across like the uh, happy personality, you know, waka waka guy. And people were kind of expecting, oh, he's Jock's comedy writing partner. He's going to be, you know, as obnoxious as, Jock. as obnoxious as me. And in the first couple months, you know, people are like, yeah, he's, 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 said some funny things and and it wasn't until the first day and it's six seven o'clock in the morning uh we were doing a parody of the then brand new show survivor <laughs> that's how long ago this was it was survivor's first wow. and as soon as as soon as everything was set up and it's like all right let's go and the guy starts rolling film and that's how long ago this was. He rolled film, you know. And Joe, 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 honestly became a Christmas treat. Everybody's looking at it, but I was like, "Who, who, who the fuck is this guy?" And, you know. And it's like, and after that, they're like, "Okay, I get it. I get it. He is hilarious." Um, and much like, and much like his son, it's like when you meet him, he's a really nice, fun kid, very sweet. But honestly, the second he got up on stage, he was in a character. He was in the character of. 
it was an anti-tribute, if I remember the introduction right. Yeah, the anti-tribute to Owl City. So he, I guess, pretended to be the performer who, who named Owl City, who calls himself Owl City. And he kind of talks like this. And to be honest, after I talked to Connor after the show, he's like, yeah, I don't even know what the guy sounds like. I just imagine. He, he approached it like Jimmy Fallon approached the uh, Bee Gees talk show. Hello, right. everybody. You know, like, you know, he just imagined that he spoke in real life like he sings his song. So it was but funny. It, but it was great that he didn't just, you know, have a really fun song that sounded good, but he instantly goes, because nobody else went up there in a character or a personality. Most of the things were videos that people made. They were fun, little cute things. A couple of the songs, you could actually see a scores for like low budget horror films and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, there was some potential. There was what that security, uh, computer security song, the, uh, the, the tech security scam. Yeah, that that was pretty good. Yeah. What was there? One of the other good ones. Um, there was the Avengers Gravity Falls mashup. The Gravity Falls, big and Joe. I was a little surprised that was off of Joe's radar, but it was great. It was great. Um, but then, then you know. You know, Joe's son goes up, and it was great, and it really, and it, the pain in the ass was, and I mean this, and I haven't talked to Joe about this, we had to sit through 16, 17 other things between this, and two or three of them were memorable, and two were okay, but I honestly think it wasn't an accident, because no one's going to follow that. Yeah, I mean, I think they just figured, okay, he's a senior, he's really good, he's obviously closing out the night. And, and and he did, like I said, much like you know, years ago when all my friends in LA for the first time met Joe, and they didn't really meet Joe until lights were rolling, there was a production going, and then it's like, oh, this is the guy Jacques's been talking about. So, you know, I quite like, you know, his son has a, a little bit of that where it's like he's he saves it for when it counts, you know. But also, and we talked about it before on the podcast, there's a book called uh, Killing Bono. And it's a guy. A guy wrote a book. He Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> it was a guy who was in a talent show, and you two was in a talent show. Like like, it wasn't a high school talent show, but mostly it was a, a, a talent show for high school kids. And this guy's band was to go on after the then the nineteen seventy seven the then U two. Uh, <laughs> Didn't get their chance to go on because people literally wouldn't let U2 off the stage. And at that point, U2 was mostly doing – their originals were, were very much Sex Pistol-ish. They were more punk back then. But, I mean, I'm sure Bono came out of the womb much like Bono is With now. the sunglasses, <laughs> yeah. You know, and the quaff of hair and stuff like that. So this guy wrote a book. Basically, you know, he would have been Bono. Had he gotten his chance to get up there <laughs> and that he never got to be Bono, like because and, and, and it's not like I really want to kill Bono, but he's he's lived his life thinking I was as good. I just didn't get up on that stage that day. Was he as good, though? Well, we will never know. But now, how many of these kids are, like I said, this, this is their, their... Why didn't he just start his own YouTube channel? Oh, wait. <laughs> but you think about that. It's like, do you do you have any like high school performance moments or, uh, or anything where you're like, these kids are going to be telling somebody about, oh, yeah, I was up on the stage at this show in high school and I had this song and everyone loved it? No, I don't have any moments. This is my moment. <laughs> so this is your... So, well, thank you for waiting. Now... It's funny because management came home the other night and she goes, "Hey, I want you to listen to this." Uh, did, did you? Are you in the middle of this? I know, I know it. I, I know, didn't. I know all about it. I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And she's like, uh, "Laurel or Yancy or Yanny? Yanny. It's like Yanny. It's like. And um, what do you hear? I hear Yanny. Do you really? No, actually, I hear both. 
I, I, predominantly, I hear Yanni, but you, I can tell that they're both playing at the same time. When she played it, and I'm like, she goes, what does this sound like? I'm like, Laurel? And she's like, really? No, listen again, because she so <laughs> wanted me to say. And I'm like, she's like, it doesn't sound like Yanni? I'm like, it's like looking at a blue wall and telling me, really? You don't see, you know, pure. I mean, I didn't even hear that a little bit. And then she's like, were you on Twitter? Were they talking about this? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I literally didn't know it was this big. It's this year's What's the Color of the Dress? Yeah. So what it is is that it plays with plays two dicks. Thank you for that. What do you hear? Uh, speaking or a can opening? <laughs> um, it plays Yanny at a higher frequency than Laurel. That I guess it's like above 40 hertz and the below 40 hertz or something like that. So if you play this on your computer and you screw around with the equalizer, you can make one more predominant than the other. I can hear both. I can hear Laurel, Laurel. But I can hear Yanny, Yanny, like a lot louder, so okay. it's more predominant. But other people probably hear Laurel. Is it an old man? Because because I got old man ears. Is that what it is? Honestly, it, it varies. It's like there's no real delineation between age and, and gender. And I've heard that um, on different devices, you hear different things. Like I've heard people calling oh. the radio show saying, you know, talking about this and saying, you know what? This morning on my computer, I heard Yanny. And then when you're playing it now on the radio, I hear Laurel. So it varies. It, it all depends on how you're... The frequencies and the, the equalization is set on your device and also how you perceive hearing. So, yeah, it's like a, you know, like a dog whistle and like a, a deep bass kind of thing. Can you imagine uh, getting in a time machine? Yeah. Going oh. to like, <laughs> you know, meet Neil Armstrong after he gets back from the moon and showing him what like the NASA technology has brought us and what we're using it for today. I like how Jacques thinks the NASA technology. <laughs> like <laughs> Laurel and Yanny. It's just the same well, sound. Well, no, no, but but the fact that we have these devices that connect <laughs> us all throughout the world. Oh, right, right. And this is what we're using that technology towards. Hey, you know what? Um, great. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think we need anything at all to distract ourselves right now from the awfulness that goes around uh, each and every day. Like like what, Joe? I don't know. If only I had a piece of paper listing the awful <laughs> things that happened this week. Wait! Here it is! So we, we, we didn't touch on it, and I don't want to get too deep into it because there's no effing point into doing it, but another day, another mass shooting at a high school, uh, another middle class, seemed like a decent home, Played on the high school football team, white kid who decides to go up on a, a shooting spree. And the thing is, there was two other shootings in schools this week, or there was one shooting where just one, just, just one person got shot. And then I think it was out in like Palmdale, California, like a 14-year-old kid had an assault rifle, but was stopped coming into the school. So that could have been another one. Did that school only have one door? Because according to the <laughs> to the governor or the lieutenant governor of was it the lieutenant governor in Texas? It was. The, the, who said that the schools have too many doors, and that's why these shooters are able to get in so easily. So, so again, we've done it too many times. We're not going down the rabbit hole too, too deeply, but uh, too many doors is, is one of the big problems. School prayer being taken out of school is one of the problems. What's not a problem is guns. And, and both— No, 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 no. There is a problem. Not enough. Not enough. Right, right. Well, there wasn't enough good guys there for the bad guy with the gun. And you know, James Shaw can't be everywhere at once. Like, he was at the Waffle House. Great. 
You know, he's not like, you know, we need to get him like a cape and some sort of uh, teleporting device so that he can leap to the rescue of all these students. Oh, uh, God. But, but God the, help us. You know, but I'm listening. I'm trying not to. I was literally trying to avoid it. And I did hear Lion Ted Cruz and the governor both at the scene talking the day of. And the governor said, we're going to sit down with all parties involved. We have to stop this. We'll have a roundtable. We'll have school administrators. We'll have students. We'll have victims. You know, we have to have, you know, Second Amendment activists or, or, or uh, Second Amendment, uh, um, I forget the word he used, but it's important to take them into consideration. And he mentioned it two or three times. And so did Ted Cruz. They mentioned the whole hope and prayers and, and all that, or wish and prayers and pray it away. But both at the site of the shooting hours after it happened in a press conference going out of their way to make sure they keep their NRA A-plus rating. Both of them mentioned we have to have a roundtable, we have to find solutions, but it must include victims, it must include this, it must include that, it must include, you know, Second Amendment, um, I'm trying to think of the word. uh, It wasn't activist, but it's around that word. Proponents? Uh, yeah, something like that. It, it will come to me in a bit, but I'm like, really? It's like even now, like even with dead children, you still feel the need to say it's not the gun's fault. So they're willing to talk about guns as long as Dana Lesh is there to talk back. Right, right. Okay, and and the thing is, it's like make the schools harder, make the schools harder. Joe, I mean, honestly, as a kid when you went, how many prison references were made about school? Like, oh, it's like going to prison. Yeah, right. They literally want to make it going to prison now. And what what's what's going to happen? Let's make prisons with one door in and one door out, which makes... <laughs> one door in. Like, like <laughs> literally. I mean, f- first of all... Now it's a fire. That's, first of all, you can't do that because there are fire codes. There's egress laws involved. You can't... I mean, this is fucking stupid. I mean, this is what, these are people talking out of their assholes grasping at straws, just holding on to their A-plus rating from the NRA. But it's not people talking about it. It's the governor of the state. Right. It is the senator of the state. That counts as, there are two people. You know, you know. But that's the thing. It's like, and again, it's like, so every time, you know, you, you, it doesn't matter if you're flicking through, you know, CNN, you know, MSNBC, or God forbid, you know, Fox Boobs, and it's like, everything, it's like, well, this is a faith-based community, and it's like, you know, the Lord and this, and prayers, it's like, enough. It's like, you know what? Know. You know what thoughts and prayers are. It's duck and cover. That's all it is. It's all. It's just a device to keep stupid people feeling safe. That's all. You know. Oh, thoughts and prayers. We know this is a terrible tragedy. There's nothing we can do. But nothing we can do. Pray to the Lord. Right. And of course, the Onion published its probably you know twenty second version of this story this year. Every time there's a school shooting or a mass shooting. They post the same exact story with the same headline, quote, nothing we can do says only nation where this occurs. And it's the same exact story, but a different timeline and a different, like, you know, location. And it's the same fucking story. Um, So we won't get into that because there is other awful news. Please. Um, So, you know. My, my my once adopted homeland of, of Qatar back in the news again this week. And now they flip-flopped. So we said it six months before the news broke that, okay, it was really weird that, that there was a visit to Saudi Arabia and then Israel. And then when, you know, bloaters came back, all of a sudden there's this blockade of Qatar between these countries. And nobody knew why it made sense because it's a, Qatar is the most, you know, pro-U.S. state. And I said, well, look. This is why X, Y, and C. 
And then six months later, and it, it became big news, and we talked about it like a month ago. It turned out Jared Kushner's dad went over there to get money for their 666 Park Ave or Fifth Ave Park Ave or Fifth Ave Fifth Avenue uh, skyscraper that they were upside down on, and wanted to get bailed out by the Qataris, and they said no. Lo and behold, just two weeks later, the most pro-U.S. And people thought I was kind of talking out my ass and, oh, you just hate them. And the administration, well, then it came to light that that's what did happen. Well, let's flash forward to the last two weeks. The king, uh, Althani, comes to the White House, meets with Blotus. Blotus says, we're honored to have him here. It's a great guy, all this stuff. And, oh, and then it just comes out in the past few days, Qatar is bailing out the 555 Park Avenue thing, and Pompeo is trying to get the blockade lifted. I mean, literally, I mean, how open in the world is grafting? Qatar wouldn't give Jared Kushner's family his money. They put a blockade on the country. Oh, the country, a year later, nine months later, does decide to give the family money to bail him out, and we're going to lift the blockade. You know, and it's like, it's again, it's not conspiracy theory. They're not trying to hide it. It's like you can't hide the king of Qatar coming over here, meaning with Blotus, and then the the news release. Total coincidence. Uh, it's a witch hunt. Is it a total coincidence that we are – ready? Say it with me. You ready, Rick? One, two, three. Make, Make China, China great, great again. again. <laughs> that, 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 that's this week's rallying cry. I heard Yanny. Did you <laughs> – uh, now, tell me, you, you followed that a little bit. Have you been following that? I don't know how uh, the pronunciation, but CTE. It's a Chinese phone company. Yeah, ZTE. CTE that uh, just recently, within the past like nine months, the Department of Justice and the Commerce Department put a seven-year ban on because – and some other countries have put a ban on it because it turns out that their phones can be easily turned into listening devices. It's China can listen to everything that you're saying and the phone has – you know. An app. but more importantly, as far as it concerns us – we're sh- we ship parts over to them, which they were then turning around, shipping to both North Korea and Iran, like like ah. like high tech. You know, like we talked before that like it used to be you couldn't ship PS4s or PS3s to certain countries because they're considered super processors, supercomputers because of the processing. So CTE got a seven year ban just a few months ago from both the Department of Justice and the Commerce Department and the United States because and they were listed as a security leak. They were list or security risk. Like we couldn't do business with them. We couldn't and you couldn't import their phones. And we couldn't ship them part because they couldn't be trusted not to flip you know ship, to, to flip them to places where we have things. I mean that that was the, the Trump administration's Department of Justice and Commerce people who looked into this. Well, we got a trade thing coming up with them in the next couple of weeks, a trade meeting with China. And out of the blue, not telling anybody, here's Blotus saying it's a great company. You know, a lot of people have been laid off and we got to we got to get them you know back up and running. And, and without talking to the commerce people, without talking to the Department of Justice, just said – we have to get these people back to work. We need – why the fuck do you give a shit about the company? And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Didn't China the same day that he says this give $500 million to the Trump uh, Singapore – not is it Singapore? I think it was Singapore. In- Indonesia or Indonesia oh, or yeah, Singapore. South, yeah, it was like Southeast Asia. Southeast yeah. Asia, yeah. He's building a, a, a resort there that one of the investors is the country of China. So they – 
they decide, oh, we're going to invest in the Trump property, and just lo and behold, Trump is overriding his own Department of Justice and own Commerce Department and saying, yeah, I know it's a spy risk. Yeah, I know that they're giving technology to North Korea and Iran, but you know what? This golf course is going to be fantastic. Well, you can do that when you're president. You can move in on a Department of Justice like a bitch. You know, just grab them by <laughs> the pussy. Uh, well, and, and, and then, you know, Uncle Rudy Giuliani going out there today. Uh, when, you mean Count Rudy? Count Rudy. I like that better. But when he, you know, when, when Trump had said when he was running, uh, he could shoot somebody on, on Park Ave and, and get away with no, it. No, fake news. It was Fifth Avenue. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. But Rudy comes out on TV yesterday and explains, yes, he could. Like, legally, the president can shoot somebody and... He's not above be, the law. Like, 100% saying it. Like, they're, they're, they're not hiding what's gone on with Qatar. They're not hiding that he's trying to get Chinese jobs and give them technology in exchange for his properties. We didn't need Whitworth and Bernstein digging through the night to find these for months. Right. They are putting this out in plain sight. No one cares. What you going to do about it, huh? That, exactly. But uh, but this past week, it was the one-year anniversary, the paper anniversary. Of Mueller's investigation. The, the, you know what, Joe? This witch hunt is bullshit and bogus. A year into it, they have found nothing. Except the 29 indictments, <laughs> except the six people who have pled guilty, uh, except, I mean, it's like four years of Benghazi, nothing. Like, there was no indictments. It was a Republican House and Senate that had the investigations. They dug and dug and dug. They wanted to dig and dig. There was nothing there. Same thing with the emails. They dug and dug and dug tens of hundreds of hours of Senate hearings and investigation. No indictments. Mm -hmm. But yet here in the Mueller and this witch hunt, this witch hunt, which has found nothing except uh, your former, you know, high government ranking officials flipping over and over. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that the Ken Starr investigation against Clinton took, what, four years? Well, so it is one of those things for, for us. You know, for Joe and I and everybody, unfortunately, listening in the nation, it seems like it has dragged on a long time. But when you talk to – when you listen to – I haven't talked to any federal prosecutors and, and former, like, attorney generals and secretaries of state. Uh, these investigations take, like, the Ken story. Years. Years. Yeah, you have to build a case. You have to – and it has to be kind of ironclad. Like, you can't just say, well, you know, we think we got something. Let's go forward. Well, like, when they arrested Michael Cohen – you know, and raided his house. That wasn't Mueller saying, yeah, I bet if we go in there, you had to convene a grand jury. Then you had to take the findings, go to a judge. A judge had to sign off on. I mean, all of these things, every one of these people who have been indicted have not been indicted by Mueller. It's, they've been indicted after, you know, checks and balances, after judges signed off, after, after grand jury Hearings. Yeah, these aren't just hunches and gut feelings that Mueller is just putting out there saying, you know what, sniff around that Cohen's apartment and see what you can find. And Stormy's, Stormy's lawyer, fuck that guy, man. Michael Avenatti. He, he said, it was a week ago, flat out said, okay, if you're tied to the Trump administration and you know that you've been involved in some shit, come clean now, get out in front of it. Because I have stuff 
that I'm going to start releasing. And true to his word, like every couple days, I mean, he's kind of been like the WikiLeak, you know, <laughs> our, you know, on this side of the fence, and and it's been trickling, trickling out. But he said to people, he's like, look, if if you've done shit and you know you've done shit, come out now, admit to it, get in front of it, you know, like like our our friend Taylor, you know, uh, admit guilt, apologize. Keep the money, you know, admit guilt, apologize, maybe stay out of jail. But he has. And now it turns out like more there's been more Trump Tower meetings with more foreign things. And and he, and he releases it. And he's like, oh, so like it was like the next day or two days after the warning, he releases a tape and he's like, OK, look who's getting on the elevator at this time with Mueller, I, with, with, with Cohen. Go. So it, it, it's funny. But everybody knows if he knows this stuff now. Mueller's known it for six months, but hasn't leaked it for a reason because I don't know. Anyways, happy anniversary. I like to let Jacques just sort of talk himself down. You know, like, <laughs> I don't oh. say anything. It's like he's going to stop talking. He's going to yeah. stop talking. Okay, now. Or, or he's going to make eight jokes. Right, right. <laughs> right. Oh, please. So, well, oh, wait, by, by the way, what's the difference between HIV and HPV? Oh, how would I know? I'm just a president of the United States trying to take away your health care. <laughs> you saw that, right? The Bill Gates video. The Bill Gates just so so Bill Gates two takeaways is he couldn't stop referring to himself in third person. Right. Which is always sign of a you're either an NBA star or batshit crazy. Right. Could be both. Right. I saw the tape and he said um so he would refer to himself in the third person like Trump doesn't like the way Trump's being portrayed in the media. And I thought to myself, am I supposed to reply, Gates doesn't agree with you, sir? <laughs> like, is, he, is this the code of uh, conduct that we're supposed to be uh, having right now? But, but truly, he doesn't know the, the difference between HIV H- and H- HPV. HPV. Yeah, and he had to remind him twice. There were two separate occasions in which Bill Gates met with uh, the, the Donald, before president and then after president. You're welcome, world. Whatever. Just one more little nugget of information about our stupid fucking president. Uh, so, you know, and, and then today he tweets out, it's like it's like either National Military Appreciation Day or Awareness Day. And it's like our thoughts go out to all brave men and women who serve, Not ser- trans. serve or served in the military, except for the fags and except for those ones who got caught <laughs> or dying of cancer. Pussies. Uh-huh. He didn't really say that. Uh, he, well, he, he, <laughs> he implied it. He didn't say it. If you read between the tweet. <laughs> um, but what I love is Rand Paul, he's been grandstanding on, on blocking the CIA uh, nomination on principles of torture, you know, like, much like McCain is. And there's been four or five, five or six times where Rand Paul will accidentally do the right thing, the broken clock right twice a day type thing. But it always turns out when it's safe, when his party has the votes and he knows it's going to get through anyways, he's never stood on principle to block something that the GOP's done, but he will stand on principle of something that is going to pass anyways because they either have enough votes on their side or like the the one a-hole Democrat who will go along with it. Then he can say, look, I reached out to both sides. I'm not completely partisan. But every time he takes one of these stands, it's after it's been confirmed that there's enough votes. So uh, who's he fooling? Uh, a lot of people, actually. But, <laughs> but that's uh, – I think he's done. I think I think I think I'm done with. Well, it's funny because uh, um, I, I was talking to my sister the other day, and 
uh, I was telling her because she hadn't heard uh, the the Avengers breakdown, yeah. and and in that that's where Joe played the. Uh, how racist is Jockey? Which you should play that on a regular basis. Like you should play that bit. It was funny. I don't want to bring too much attention to your racism. <laughs> you know, I want to kind of present our best face. Yeah. Well, you know, you you want to leave plenty of time for me to be misogynistic as well. I appreciate that. Mm. Thank you. So that's uh, a big word for a racist. <laughs> so we. Uh, so. I, I looked online and I told my sister, I reforward her that, and I'm like, okay, it's hilarious. That bit's at the 118 minute mark. I like tweeted it to her to what she said. The fact that your podcast has an hour and 18 minute mark troubles me. <laughs> so we're going to try to be a little more concise, or I will. Right. Um, Which, by the way, brings us to a, a nice resting point, maybe a halfway mark, if you will, uh, a break. So um, kick back, relax, and listen to this week's defunct sponsor. Hey, you say you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers that don't quite make it? Yeah! Then look at McDonald's new McDLT. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. The new McDLT. Crisp lettuce and tomato on the cool, cool side. The new McDLT. Cool, crisp. The beef stays hot. The cool stays crisp. Put it together, you can't resist. Could be the best lettuce and tomato hamburger ever. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's new McD. So now we get to, uh, you know, I was going to jokingly say Joe's favorite part, but we all established he doesn't have ESPN. Um, so sport, nothing, truly, nothing's really going on. You know, the Celtics, I, I, I want to kind of care just because I used to in the 80s, but no. Uh, gee, I wonder why you cared about the Celtics in the 80s, not so much in the 2000s. Less blacks, yeah. <laughs> Wait, was I not supposed to say that out loud? Uh, Due to the unfreezing process, you have no inner monologue. <laughs> no, it's like, like when they when the early like what two thousand you know seven two thousand eight like I followed the Lakers you know but you still have the Lakers Celtics thing going on. I guess it's interesting that they are two and zero against like King James's Cleveland, but I I don't I really don't care. You mean King James featuring Cleveland? Like, <laughs> right, exactly. Thank yeah. you. I, I mean, I, I just don't follow uh, basketball. But more importantly, more importantly, coming up, by the time we record next week, I will have some updates on the John Taylor Fertilizers Phoenix Classic Hockey updates. Every year for, I think it's been 20 years. This Sadly, it's a, I went almost 20 years with Biff and John. And the funny thing is, our friend Hafen, who is now and has been in Sweden the last eight years, we had a hockey team that you know would go and play this huge tournament. I mean, it is a big tournament. It shuts down Scottsdale, Arizona. It's been going on for like 34, I think this is the 33rd or 34th year. There might be, and I'm not exaggerating, 20 different levels from guys who are a year or two out of the NHL to guys who just got into rec hockey. And you have teams from all over the U.S., Canada, uh, so you'll have like 20 different levels, and in each level you'll have between like four and eight teams. There's like four or five different levels of women's hockey. And again, current and former Olympians to you know people just getting into it. So you'll have hundreds and hundreds of teams. Um, it, there's like three big resorts in Scottsdale, and it, it shuts down all three of them you know, for, for this tournament. 
you know, poor Biff and I have driven out to that back and forth like three or four times together. So, you know, Biff's got to hear uninterrupted eight-hour versions of this podcast <laughs> without the benefit of Joe's intellect and insights into it. Somehow, we're, we're still friends. So our friend Hafen found out like one year just before we were going to play a tournament that there's a fertilizer company in Northern California called John Taylor Fertilizer. He called the company, they sent down the logos, and him, Biff, and I pulled the money, and we had all the jerseys home and away made for the team. And and so to this day, some 20, about 20 years into it now, and and, and we always send him the newsletter. Our friend saw it after the tournament. It would take him about a month to put together. would have like a six page newsletter of the tournament we had like three or four four or five like two or three years we were very competitive i mean because we got we you know all-star tommy the name doesn't have anything to do with his hockey ability but he played at yale you know what i mean we we have like scotty black played you like biff is an amazing goalie john is a great great two-way defenseman uh toys in the shower too anyway see uh, <laughs> yeah but seriously we got some real talent on the team I, and we made some playoffs a couple times a couple like one you know one time we lost to a team in chicago it was like either overtime or double ot just just were gas just gas but then we went like three four years in a row where for some reason we lost some good players and we filled them in with some really good guys Friday night hockey, uh, you know, you know, uh, punching above their weight class, so to speak. So we got moved up, lost good players, replaced them. If we put skates on you and gave you two weeks to get in shape, sort of thing, and we we went like three tournaments in a row without a win. And the thing is, the funny thing is, there was one time we were one and one going into the third game, and. If we lost that game, you could have gone home that night, like that afternoon. But if you won, the playoffs was until the next day. Like you could go home Sunday night. If we won that game, we would have had to play a playoff game at four o'clock Monday, like Memorial Day. It's like now you're not getting, you know, the eight hour drive back and you have your friend, your family and stuff like that. Well, I guess we we wound up one and two. So we were in the locker room, and it was close. We lost like a four to five game, something like that. So that's maybe the game we lost, you know, to, to Chicago in overtime. And we were like, okay, n- nothing to be ashamed of. We, we we had a good showing. We had a great game. Tough loss. Feel good about it. Go home. And. I guess there was like two teams that both had one and two records, and it, either we had more goals in them or the differential between goals for and against was greater for us. And the scorekeeper comes in and said, hey, you guys have a playoff tomorrow. We got the guy, Rick, is like turned to us like, no! <laughs> like we were so happy that we played. You know, and it's one of those things. You felt good about how you played, but you didn't have to stick around. That was like, that reminds me of the South Park episode of the Little League teams the the kids were forced into little league by their parents and they hated baseball they hated it and they were in the little league like world series but they were playing to lose and the other team didn't want to play because they didn't want to ruin their summers they did the same, oh, right. same thing so each team was playing against each other to lose but that's the same mentality it's just like yeah right we don't want to ruin our our our, our weekend by winning and 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 what what's fun about the John Taylor team is truly it started out as like a guy's weekend thing. And over a few years it became guys weekend with their girlfriends. And a couple of years later it became guys weekend with their wives. And, and, and we have the family. And then a couple of years later it becomes guys weekend. Like, honestly, it's like, I don't. And like, then it just becomes 
weekend. Like, there's weekend. no guys involved. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Then it's like, and and it's true. No, it's funny because like when we first started going out, like Scotty Black and I didn't have didn't have kids, and then it or Tommy's girls were like really young and and they didn't drag them out there. But then it becomes you're in the pool for like four hours, exhausted, trying to pretend you love your kids and want to be with them, and now you got to go play an eight o'clock game, and it's like, but but it is. It was. I mean, we've been doing it that long where it's gone from you know the guys and 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 truly what the best part about it is there's a little bar inside the the scottsdale plaza that we usually hang out and seven or eight o'clock like the pools are packed like you got you know young people trying to score and it's, it's it's a party central and it's all going on out there like taylor you know thriller like like are five or six, six or seven. We're just happy to sit there and watch and just not do anything except like not get hammered. But well, there was one year where Biff did like fall down, literally a fall down. It was a one time thing where he, he he mixed drinks and stuff like that and didn't realize. Oh no, I'm okay. I can get back to my. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> oh man, we got to get this beach whale back to somebody who whose room is closest we can get Biff onto a couch. Uh, but it was. I mean, I do miss that. I do miss like you know just like just hanging out and doing nothing. Um, but uh, but yes, my, uh, my my thoughts and prayers go out to the John Fertilizer <laughs> team, and I I bet I I already put it out there. I will have as many points as Taylor does next weekend. Well, I hope you enjoyed th- that insight into an inside world, which actually I'm sure we're just broadcasting to. So yeah, uh, Floor, yeah, sorry, yeah, uh, Richard, sorry, yeah, sorry, Richard, uh, yeah, I don't Kim, think sorry. The rest of you, yeah, the rest of you get it. Everybody, in, in, you know, Joe, sorry. <laughs> But now it's time for the random video game Wait, review. I was keeping it with a video game because yeah. last week you opened it up. And I, I, how did that go? I forget. How, how could you refresh my memory? You pulled a name that tune handheld game off of my handheld game collection shelf, and it kind of sucked. Why don't we keep it to video games or or I, you know what? Go go nuts because well the thing is is that. If you grab it from anywhere on the shelf, I literally, unless you give me a clue, I'm not going to okay. even know where to start. Okay. So you can do both. You could either only video games, and then I have to guess, or anything, and then you have to give me a hand. Like, okay, it's in, I grabbed it from the fourth shelf, the right. laser discs. All right, keep my eyes shut. All right. So Jacques. Top shelf. Top shelf. Far left. Oh, I see. He pulled a game off of my Nintendo Entertainment System. Good old, old school. Um, but he didn't grab a open cart. He grabbed a box game. And it's between Pyramid and Remote Control. And I think... Uh, I don't have many boxed games. You'd think I'd know right off the, right off the old bean <laughs> what it is. Oh, it's Qbert. It is Qbert. It is Qbert. It's the Q game. Oh, my God. I'm surprised if Jacques had a Nintendo at his house, this game would not be in my possession anymore <laughs> because you are a Qbert fanatic. I, I was. I was. It, it, and so before you do the review, I... I I'll was, let you do the review because you've no, played more Qbert than no, I have. I, I um, It's going to be the second you move to L.A. story. I was a big video game junkie. I mean, a, as a kid. Uh, like an arcade junkie. Like an arcade. There was an arcade there, and I couldn't afford to go there a lot, but Mike, you know, Mike Sullivan and I would go down there. I had a paper route, and everything I made, like, you know, went down there. Ironically, uh, you would play Paperboy at the arcade. <laughs> weird, right? <laughs> Fucked up. Uh, but no, it's like we got, like, the Atari 
like the Christmas after it was a big thing when the kid next door got the ColecoVision. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would skip school, stay home, and, and get Missile Command Elbow, if you remember, you know, yeah. you remember that. Uh, a junkie, junkie, junkie. But then I went a good. I don't think I played a video game. Uh, uh, t- t- two seasons, I was in. Uh, I was in Buffalo uh, playing hockey. You know, a, a junior summer thing. That's when I got crazy good at Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. Crazy good. But it was a good ten plus years before I really played another video game until you come out to L.A. and I don't even remember the computers that we had at work. But you put Cubert on. You had that. I had an emulator program, and I just. This is like '99, where file sharing became. This was like back in the Napster days where you could download, you know, music and and and, and all sorts of things. It was the Wild West and I mean, you can do that today too. But back then it was brand new and I downloaded the first kind of iteration of Mame, the arcade emulator program for your PC and a bunch of like ROMs or games that I installed on his work computer, which of course I don't know how I got access to that, but you know, that's a longer story than needs to be told. So anyways, I put it on the computer is like a fun thing. Like, oh, look, I got, I knew he would enjoy, oh, Pac Man and asteroids or whatever, and Cubert. And he's like, you have Cubert. And then, like, I would go home and then I would come back the next day. It's just like, so what'd you get done for work? Not much, because I wasn't playing Cubert <laughs> for 15 hours straight. Like, he would go home, come back, and I was still at work. And the funny thing about Cubert is that the controls are different. So if you're not familiar with Cubert, the controls on Qbert are different. They're not the up, down, left, right because you're on this sort of isometric plane. So the uh, controls in the arcade are diagonal left, diagonal right, you know, that sort of thing. They're tilted 45 degrees. So to play it properly and more efficiently on a computer, Jacques would take the keyboard and tilt the keyboard itself 45 degrees so that the up, down, left, right were in the proper orientation. And that way he could become more proficient and make better use of his time on the Qbert and get a higher score. And that's what counts. But um, I, I was running the company at this right. time. And, and literally, <laughs> the ground. people would come, home, come in the next day and I'm wearing the same clothes from the night before. Right. So, but yeah, so Qbert for the NES is not much different. It's it's pretty much a one-to-one. Meh, actually, it's kind of a downgrade visually uh, because the the arcade uh, was a, you know, a, a bit more advanced. Even back, even when it was published in 83 in the arcade, and this was published on the Nintendo like in 87 or something like that, uh, 88. But the controls are, you know, kind of uh, funky. I think you do have to like tilt the Nintendo controller uh, 45 degrees to make it really work, or you can choose how the orientation is. Anyway... It's still classic, but I have the complete inbox with manual and a nice crispy cart. And, um, you know, I picked this up years ago as part of like some, you know, other like larger collection. Somebody on Craigslist was just, you know, getting rid of their boxed games and I got it for a decent price. I didn't pay, like, I didn't pay like $20 a game for it. I think I got like $20 for like 10 games. So maybe I paid two bucks for this game. But if you wanted to flip it, I would say that this would probably go complete inbox. I don't know if Jacques has been savvy enough to look that up on eBay. I, I, I'm looking, but I ha- can't find the inbox anymore. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to say if you cart only, $10. Yeah, I mean, it, it for... Oh, there it is. That, oh, no, that's not the box. But yeah, your pick, fourteen ninety nine. Okay. And that's just, that's for, just the that's for... Yeah, so you probably get 20 bucks with the box. Probably more, Actually, maybe yeah. I was going to say, probably, yeah. you could probably get 14 for the cartridge and you don't 20 for the box. These boxes, like, people just fucking throw out. 
Like what? they they threw them out. I threw them out, and now like the boxes, you can buy just the boxes alone for like with no game for about as much as if not more. If not more, and, and that's the thing. It's like uh, Joe's admittedly a, a loser with some issues. I'm a tragic. I'm a tra- I'm a walking human tragedy of wasted potential and opportunity. <laughs> uh, I would never collect boxes of shit. Like literally. <laughs> well, you're also a minimalist, so that's you know, which is admirable. Um, and you know what? Who knows? One of these days, except with boobs. I know. That's a whole other sideshow. <laughs> um, if I ever get the courage to put photos of my basement online, uh, this might all go away one day. Because no. I mean, come on, this is a this can't. I'm burying you with it, <laughs> right? I'll be buried under it. That's yeah, probably exactly. how I'll go. <laughs> what a way to go. Uh, that's actually how I want it to be done. Um, so so that that wraps that. Uh, now the the Netflix TV Redbox pick of the week, which I've already told you nothing. Like the only thing I've got to watch this week, like was the half hour episode one of Cobra Kai. Fantastic! Stunning. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I yeah. am looking forward to watching. And it. I, I admire you for not being able to watch the second episode, which is also available for free, because it's like crack. Like I. Immediately, when I saw the first episode, I subscribed for YouTube Red and watched all 10 episodes in one sitting. So it was like five hours of ecstasy. It was great. Well, well, Joe knows. We, 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 had, a tough, we had a very rough week at the homestead. Yeah. Uh, uh, mom-in-law you know, got, got the uh, ticker tape parade to the hospital at 1130 at night in an ambulance one day. And then two days later, yeah, my true best friend, my true soulmate, uh, we had to put down our 14-year-old dog, Loki, this week. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and it was it was it, it was tough because he truly. This is like the third dog in my life that it's like you know. I mean, my my oldest son is named after a dog that was named after Nightwing, and, and I tell people it's like, oh no no, I didn't name my son after Nightwing. I named my son after the dog, whom I named after <laughs> Nightwing. Uh, so it was tough, and you know, it, it, I have a ten-year-old who the dog sleeps in the bed, you know, with, with with the two boys. It's like it's it's that close of a thing, all around the world with us. Uh, you know, we've had through through management's dog rescue, we've probably had two hundred dogs come. A lot of special needs, a lot of older ones. We've had. You know, special needs dogs dumped off in our house or in our yard that then gave puppies hours later. And this and our dog Loki never had a food aggression issue. Never didn't matter if we had uh like small babies of our own, four rescue dogs, three cats and a bunny. Like this he rolled with everything, you know. So it was really tough, but it was uh uh, it is what it is, but that's why I didn't get to watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> well, my condolences to your family and to the the kids, the boys. I mean, they're there. They've not known a life without Loki. No, that's that's the thing, and it's like, and I get to that in the parenting tip of the week. But okay, other than Cobra Kai, did you watch anything? I got two things. Both are just trailers. Sorry, the two trailers I want to bring up. One is the Bohemian Rhapsody Freddie Mercury biopic uh, trailer. That's uh, for the movie that's coming out in November. Uh, it stars uh, Rami Malek. He's the guy who's on the show called Mr. Robot. It's about hacking. It was like critically acclaimed. I think it won some awards. I started. We started watching a couple of, but it was one of those things because it came out on Netflix and I heard a lot about it. And, or was it Netflix? And I'm like, oh my god, we. It just was originally can't. a USA show, and maybe right. they moved. But it. we couldn't. Well, no. But when we we just a few months ago we heard about it, we're like, let's watch the first episode, and we watched the first two episodes or three episodes one night. Management and I, and we're and we're like, okay, we could definitely get into this. 
but we're two years behind Arrow. We're two years behind Flash. We're three years behind. Right. Um, Let's not try ecstasy just yet. We're just getting right. onto crack. Like we have to catch up on the crack. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to start a new drug now. No, I understand that. But so the story. This is a long. Do you do, what? Tell me. Do you know the story? Because literally, I wrote a treatment and I shopped a treatment. And if my friend Mike Ragoni is listening, who we want to have on, who he's been a, a music industry executive for like thirty years. He brought me to lunch several times with the guy who discovered Queen and developed Queen. And what was absolutely, and I don't know, I haven't seen this trailer, but I'll tell you very quickly. He wanted to do a picture. And Queen wasn't Queen yet, but Freddie Mercury was definitely Freddie Mercury. And they record Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a seven minute song. You don't get airplay on a seven minute song. So, Top of the Pops. You know, they wanted them to come on top of the pops. Which and, was like the American Idol back in right, the 70s. Right, right. You know, Britain. I mean, again, there's fewer channels back then. And it's still on now. They and, still do They the still pops. do it. Yeah. But it was it was the end-all, be-all. Well, they couldn't do a seven-minute performance. Like, the band wasn't ready to do that. I mean, they, the band was just getting up and running. Plus, they wanted them to cut it down to a two- or three-minute thing. So they shot a video for it. So that's where they shot the famous video. And they gave it to Top of the Pops. And Top of the Pops said, no. They're an English band. They're a British band. They're a London band. We're in London. The only way we will play a video is if the if it's the band's out on tour and it's a number one song. Mm. So they booked him a tour, <laughs> and they went around and they bought all the albums. They 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 literally hired an army of like women, just women to go shopping, and and EMI paid to buy up all their own albums. That is like. Buying Twitter followers now, it's right? Like they, right. Had, they set out literal like bots, you know, like uh, but the humans physically bought their own albums, which they then repackaged, and resold. resold. But they lost so much money because they had to pay retail to buy their own things back. Because that's how you had to buy them from the store. You know what I mean? You couldn't just say, but to make it a number one song, and then they played it, and thus Queen becomes Queen. Okay. Yeah. So that part isn't in the movie. So, it is not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, the the trailer is, you know, two minutes and something long. And somebody commented underneath the YouTube video for this is that this movie looks good, but if we learn anything from Suicide Squad, a Queen song can make any trailer look good. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and it's all, obviously, it's very heavy. It's it's not Rami Malek. Rami Malek's American, first of all, I believe. Second of all, um, you know, it's all original Freddie Mercury voicing and it's, it's the original recordings. So they're not going to be stupid enough to try to mimic Freddie Mercury, but it's very well done. They get into Bohemia. I mean, it's all about the formation of Queen and their, and it's actually the mostly, uh, I guess, a Freddie Mercury movie. They actually make a joke about a, the Bohemian Rhapsody being six minutes long. And one of the record executives says, this bloody song, six minutes long, it goes on forever. And then Freddie Mercury says, if you think six minutes is forever, I pity your wife. <laughs> is this a movie they were trying to do? With Sasha Baron Cohen. With, with the band? Where... Yeah. So Sasha Baron Cohen went on Howard Stern, and I, this is where I heard. He probably said it on other things. But he's been working on the worth the band, I think, from like 2010 to 2016 or something like that, uh, off and on trying to get the project off the ground. And the story that Sasha Baron Cohen told um, on Stern on 2016 about how it fell through was that they, he lays out the idea for the movie and, you know, Freddie Mercury rises to fame and with the band and then uh, tragically contracts AIDS and dies. And the band says, and then what? And that's a good 
part for the middle of the movie. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, then we also, uh, you have to tell the rest of the story about how the band soldiers on afterwards. It's like, I don't think there's going to be a studio anywhere that's going to allow their hero to contract AIDS and die in the middle of the movie <laughs> and then try to make a, uh, another hour after that. So that fell apart, but apparently they got wait, fine. Wait, wait. Who's the bass player in Queen? I, I do know. It's, it's, um, My point is I, no one fucking cares. I, I know. There's Freddie Mercury and these guys. No, you know who Brian May is. Come on. But, um, wow, that was a long way to go to say the fucking trailer looks fantastic. And is that a theatrical release? Yeah, it'll be coming out in November. But uh, I have that. And then also, real quick, Toys That Made Us Part 2 is oh. coming out. And guess which four, I'm going to spoil it for you, which four episodes are going to be featured? Um, Legos. Oh. Transformers. Star Trek. Ooh. Hello Kitty. Wow. Trek and Hello Kitty. Wow. Yeah, that, talk about a match made in heaven with you and your, your <laughs> management. Here's my, uh, <laughs> or, wait, what about me? I have a Hello Kitty tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so basically, somewhere at Netflix headquarters, a bunch of people got around the table. It's like, hey, we got to make a show for Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, and here it is. I think I saw that it was coming out in June, like early June, so in a couple of weeks. So got that to look forward to. Yeah, that's something that I will be able to watch instantly and not have to wait for like management approval because like I can't see that. I couldn't see Infinity Wars. Well, I couldn't, yeah. as it turns out. Uh, but like like Deadpool, there's so many things she wants to watch together. You know, this she doesn't give two shits about. Uh, she she saw one of them in the background as I was going, but I powered through the the first one, and I think it was a day I got through. That it was like, don't tell me it was the Barbie, it was GI Joe, it was Star Wars. I'm trying to think what the fourth he one was. Man, it was He Man, yeah, and the Masters of the Universe, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you have that to look forward to. So uh, you know, mark your calendars and clear your schedule. So we don't have a sideshow this week, I don't believe, unless we want to talk about the Jeffersons. Uh, <laughs> but you got a parenting tip, Mr. Active, hands-on, going to your son's performance and bringing his friend and his family with them? My parenting tip is to um, always encourage your children to do stuff. Over. <laughs> so... Uh, everybody who knows me and really knows me, I am a crier. I cry at when my team wins the Super Bowl, almost every time the Stanley Cup is raised. Like literally almost even if I don't like the team, it's just I get I get swallowed up in the emotion of the majesty. It's like seriously, it's like cause you know these these athletes, every waking moment that they have since they can remember has been driven towards this and to see somebody's dream come true. And at the same time, it's always so emotional that the people on the other side, statistically speaking, this was their one bite at the apple. This was it. Most most people, I mean, you think about it, there's 32 teams in the NHL. Only two of them make it to the Stanley Cup. And the chance of making it back a second time, it doesn't happen. You know, most people, they're lucky to play in one Super Bowl. Most people, they're lucky to play in one Stanley Cup. And I do. Uh, movies, like, and I'm such, I am a pushover at movies. It's like, you know, I, I went to my parents' house and the boys were watching Wonder, like, a few weeks ago. I know the story. I've seen the trailer. I will cry at trailers of movies. But in real life, 
like, you know, I break my ankle and I get up and I walk it off, you know, kind of thing. So when we when we had to put, our, you know, uh, Loki down the other day and, and our, you know, he just turned eight and ten year old are there and I'm holding the eight year old. It's like it wasn't till like halfway home. He was like, never seen Papa cry before. And he's like, like, you've seen me cry. It was like, yeah, but that that was real. And it's like, you know, and, and I, re- I, 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 I went out of my way to say, dude. You know, because I'm not, you know, as much as I, I want to be a big tough guy, it's okay. It's really okay to not only cry, but to let them see you cry and make sure that they know you can cry and and Papa cries. You know, that this whole bullshit about, yeah, I will walk off a broken ankle, but you know what? This, 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 this is one of those things. So we usually don't have real parenting tips, but it's it was, it really hit me. It's like, wow, I had never really thought about that. Like, and then I thought, I don't know if I've ever seen my dad cry. And I, and then I remember the one time I saw my my biological dad cry in the life. I was playing pickup with the great Richie Dunn and a bunch of sabers and stuff. And I'm 14. I'm way in over my head. But I helped my own and did good. And it's like the first time my dad, who had left, had seen me on the ice in a decade. Like when he when he left, I just got skates. And then it was like, no, I think it was like 16. So he's like, I'm really playing with NHL guys. And he was like, you could see it's like, oh. Yeah, I might have missed a couple of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that w- that was it. And my other parenting tip would be if you have a friend who has a son who's important to your sons and ask him to be your son's piano teacher, you know, go see him perform and you end up rewarding yourself by going because it was a fantastic performance. Well, thank you for coming in. Yeah, it was um surprised me i mean i didn't have any uh, sort of expectations about you said that i don't know what this is i don't know what this is i don't know i didn't know i didn't know he was performing live until the day of so i am in no way shape or form uh somebody who's allowed on this podcast to give any parenting tips <laughs> yeah, sure um so that's that but we do we we would be remiss uh we had another loss this week Lois Lane has left us. Oh, yes. Margot Kidder died at age 69 of a kidney failure or something like that. And as far as I'm concerned, like I said, big Superman fan, lots of different Supermans I've liked throughout the years, like, you know, voiceover guys and, and you know, in the movies. But Christopher Reeves, it, it, it's, you know, he is Superman. And and, and Lois Lane, Margot Kidder. She was the best Lois Lane. Like, like, honestly, I don't think there's a close second. No. I mean, I mean, just... Everything about that those 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 three movies were really she, special. The way she wrote the line between like hot chick and tough broad. And the great thing is, and, and I mean this, it's like she she wasn't she wasn't the drop dead gorgeous. We're going to put our, the prettiest girl or the prettiest actress we can in this, like a Kirsten Dunst kind of right. Man. Yeah, I mean she was she was good looking, right? But she wasn't stunning. Like, but oh it my wasn't God. like it's like she wasn't got, like supermodel. You got to look past her good looks to buy the fact she's a tough New York grizzled. I'm going to get this story if it kills me. Right. Almost like Carrie Fisher. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Same. Same, thing. same kind of cut from the same cloth. You know, and that, and think about that era. I mean, it's like now, now, unless you're like honestly on the cover of like Vogue and Augmented, you know, you can't. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, speaking of putting, drawing the parallels between Margot Kidder and Carrie Fisher, both were like they they both have their episodes of like mental illness and really. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> but anyways, we we would be as proud geeks, nerds. You know, dorks, whatever you want, throw that. To, to we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, 
you know, remember. Yeah, so like, rest in peace, Margot Kidder. So that's it. And if there's anything else you have to say, um, say it. And uh, oh, by the way, don't forget, 